We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. to shout for joy? Sure. <laughs> we have come to exalt the name of Jesus today. We're going to do that in a lot of different ways through our singing, through our obedience, our silence, our listening, our leaning into the word. What a privilege it is. Listen to Psalm 95, the first two verses and then verse six and seven. This speaks of our responsibility. Oh, come, let us sing for joy in the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. And I'm grateful to worship this great God this morning. Take your hymnals, turn to 379. Let's sing together, brethren, we have met to worship.
around you in worship this morning. Welcome to worship. Welcome to First Baptist Church. Welcome into the presence of the Lord. We're grateful that you are here. If you are a guest with us, um, we'd love to get to know you. And the way we do that are, are these guest cards. They look like this. They're in, um, on the pew backs in front of you. They're on the tables in the balcony. Um, but we would love to know you. And so take one of these and put it in the offering plate when it comes around at the end of the service. You know, I mentioned this a little bit last week, but tomorrow is our birthday. Tomorrow, our church turns 159 years old. So what a, what a blessing that is. Yeah, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. So we turn 159. You kind of feel like it's not a big, as big a deal as 160, like they'll be coming, but 159 is a big deal, too. But we, we've been here for 159 years. And you, you know what we have taught from the beginning. From the beginning that Jesus Christ is the one who satisfies. There is one in this earth who satisfies and brings us comfort, who fills us up and makes us whole, and it is the person of Jesus Christ and him alone. And so we're going to continue that message, and we're going we're to carry that forward, and we're going to be in the presence of Christ and know his filling and know the satisfaction of being in relationship with him this morning. In fact, that's why we come to worship. That's why we come to gather together to be in the presence of Christ, to lift up our voices unto him and say, praise the Lord, our God is good. So let's pray together and we'll worship. Father, we are here before you this morning recognizing that you are good. Lord, you are our God, you are holy. You're our redeemer and our friend. And so, Lord, as we gather in this place, we pray that we would know that blessed manna that comes from heaven. Lord, we, we understand in our hearts that, that all is vain unless the Spirit comes down. And so in this time, Lord, we pray that your Spirit would come down and commune with us to stir in our hearts that we may know you and be satisfied. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Our God is a God who provides. If you read the Old Testament, you remember the story of God providing manna from heaven for so long for the Israelites. And in this story that we've been reading all week, have you, have you been reading the scripture this week? Have you been reading Reverse? It's a privilege to know that all across the city there are people that are reading the same story that are asking the Lord to reveal himself through the word of God at the same, same time. Isn't that a privilege? And so we also look ahead to this story here in John 6, and you can just reflect how Jesus and God continue to provide for our needs. So listen to, to J John 6, 32 through 35. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Aren't you grateful for that? Let's continue to worship and continue to tell these great stories of Jesus. Hymn 122, let's stand together as we sing.
children, come on down. Come meet me right over here. Come on down. We're so grateful for those of you watching on TV this morning. We're glad that you're with us in a part of our congregation here in the heart of downtown San Antonio. Come on down. Come on down, everybody. Yeah, good to see you all. Come on. I, I've got kind of a, I don't know if it's a trick question. It may be kind of a mean question. I don't know. We'll find out in just a minute. Come on down. You have to tell me if it's mean or not. Okay, how many of you are hungry? Is anybody hungry? Are all of you hungry? Well, I have to say, I don't have any food. I don't have any candy today, so we're not going to be multiplying Snickers today. But let me, let me ask you this. So you're, you're hungry. What, what are you? Let me ask this side first, then I'll ask this side. What, what are you hungry for? Just say it out loud. What are you hungry for? Lunch. Lunch, burger. Food, hot dogs. A lot of Whataburger. We got an ad for Whataburger today. <laughs> All right. So on this side, what are you, what are you hungry for? Candy. Candy. What? Bill Miller's. Bill Miller's. French fries. French fries. Yeah. Hey. What? Fruit. Oh, good job. Well done for the fruit in there. What? Broccoli. Man, y'all are giving the... Is broccoli a Sunday school answer? I don't know. That's a, that's a good one. I like that. Let's say... Water burger, good. <laughs> yeah, nothing with milk in it. That's good. All right, so let me, but let me ask you this. So, so we're hungry. You know, we get, we get hungry at different times of the day. You know, so sometimes we wake up hungry. What, what, do you, what are you hungry for? Have you ever woken up in the morning and you're, you're hungry? What are you hungry for in the morning? Do you need to say it out loud? Breakfast. Donuts. Eggs. Donuts, yeah. Bacon, good. All right, so let's change the topic. All right, let's pause there for a second. All right, so we wake up in the morning. I think the consensus is when we wake up, we're hungry for donuts. So let me ask you, though, when you get home from school and your stomach is rumbling, so in the afternoon and, and it's almost dinner time, what are you hungry for? What do you, what do you really want? What are you hungry for at that time? Goldfish. Eggs and toast for dinner? That's what Amy would like that too. What what else? What, what, what are you hungry for? Ranches, celery, good. Pancakes. Hot dogs, pancakes. Man, y'all are so good with the fruits and vegetables today. Good job. Yeah. Steak. Oh, that's a good one too. Yeah. Cheeseburgers. All right. One more. Fish. Good. Hey, that's a perfect segue into today's lesson. Good job. So today you're gonna listen in the sermon. I want you to listen real quick. Corn on the cob. There you go. So when Jesus fed the 5,000, they did not have corn on the cob. What did they have when Jesus fed the 5,000? They had, they had bread. That's right. And what else? And fish. That's right. So there was bread and there was fish. And you know what Jesus did? He multiplied that bread and fish and fed all of them. That's the story that we're going to hear today. But I want you to, to listen for something different when we work through this. You know, one of the things that Jesus says, he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so wouldn't it be wonderful if, just like we hunger for corn on the cob or Whataburger, that we hungered after Jesus and we hungered after his word. And in fact, that's my prayer for you this day, that as you grow, you would hunger after the word of the Lord for our Savior Christ just as much as you hunger for donuts. Okay, let's pray and we'll go. Father, we thank you for this time together. Lord, we pray that you would um, bless us, help us to learn. Lord, we pray that you would give us a hunger for you, a hunger for your word, a hunger for righteousness like we've never known before. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Good to see you all. Okay, We're going to use this hymn as our invitation and dismiss early and get to Whataburger. <laughs> I'm hungry. No, we're not. No, okay. All right. <laughs> we were all paying attention, Pastor. I, I promise you. Let's continue to worship everybody. What a friend we have in Jesus. He provides, He loves us, He has mercy on us. Hymn 182, let's sing.
You may be seated. If you would find your listening, sh- if you would find your listening sheet, it looks like this. It should be in your bulletin. We're going to read aloud together Matthew 14, 14 through 22. So let's stand and let's let's read that together. This then is the text for today. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This place is desolate and the hour is already late, so send the crowds away that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Ordering the people to sit down on the grass, he took five loaves and the two fish, and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food, and breaking the loaves, he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. 
They picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 full baskets. And there were about 5,000 men who ate, besides women and children. And immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. May God bless the reading of his word. You know those days, those difficult days. It's, it's those kinds of days when you wake up in the morning, you roll out of bed, and you step on a Lego. It's one of those kinds of days. And you know on a day when you wake up and you roll out of bed and you step on a Lego that inevitably you are going to spill coffee in your lap that morning before you get to work. And you know on a day like that, after you have spilled coffee on yourself, you are going to back into a light pole (laughs) as you're leaving. It's just the way those kinds of days go, don't they? So how, how how do you process those? How do you face those days when you want to crawl back into bed and start over tomorrow? Because we've all faced them. We've all seen them. We, some of us in here this morning may be living that very day. Coffee stains on our shirts, dents in our door. But you know, there are days that life turns into a z- disaster. It's far worse than backing into a light pole spilling coffee on your computer or something like that. There are days that we have faced that are much more difficult than that. There are days where we have faced the bitter pain of death. You know, every one of us in here have walked in those days where we had dear friends stab us in the back. There there are days that we have stood in the face of abject failure, both of our own and the people that are around us, we, we have known those kinds of days. They are harsh days, painful days where you long for the simplicity of inconvenient stumbles. How do, how do you process those days? How do you face the days when, when you're having to swallow the bitterness of mourning again in a new day? How, how do you face them? I've got a good example today. Because that's the kind of day that Jesus was having. You know, we know the story of the 5,000. We we have heard the story of the 5,000 time and time again. We teach the story of the 5,000 to our children in vacation Bible school. We teach the story of the 5,000 every time we run through a gospel series because every single gospel covers this story. They don't all uh, cover all the stories, but all four of them have this story, each one with details the other left out. And so we know, we know that story. But, you know, we often forget in the midst of this story that Jesus was having one of those kinds of days when the feeding of the 5,000 happened. And it wasn't just one of those stepping on a Lego kind of day. This was the frustration of facing abject failure that day where the world is crumbling around you. In fact, we'll need to turn in our text today. Look at Matthew 14. So it's our text for today. And then if you back up from our text text for today, it's Matthew 14, 14. The 19 previous verses before Matthew 14, 14, Jesus is dealing with that kind of day. Nothing was right for the Christ. Now, don't, don't hear me wrong here. Jesus was perfect and holy, but everything around him was crashing down into a painful excuse of a day. Everyone was needy. Everyone grabbing at his coat that day. There was failure every corner he turned. And his cousin had just been murdered. 19 verses of utter painfulness. How does Jesus face a day like that? Look back with me up at at Matthew 13, 57 and 58. Jesus is going home going back to his hometown. Usually that's a a joyful occasion, a wonderful time to be together. Just a few weeks ago, my parents came down and we were able to go home to Carrizo. And it's so wonderful to to reminisce, to see where you were, to think back on the ways that God has blessed you in those days and since. It was a wonderful thing to go home. But it wasn't for Jesus. He went back 
and, and, and all of those in his hometown could have, could have trusted could have, could have trusted what they saw and they heard. In fact, it even says they, they knew of Jesus' miracles. They knew his teaching had authority, uh, but, th- but they wouldn't receive him. And they wouldn't receive Jesus. They, they said it can't be because not that long ago, he was a boy walking among us. We saw him and his dad working on carpentry. He can't be holy because we know his family. They were offended that Jesus was becoming something more than Nazareth. How how dare he become something more than this town? How dare he come back like this? They they were offended at who he was. And their relationship was stuck in a past that wasn't a reality anymore. It was stuck in a past without the Christ, the Messiah. This was one of those days his hometown had abandoned him. He couldn't even find rest at home. And then we get to chapter 14. You work into chapter 14, you look down at verses 10 through 12. Look at 10 through 12 with me. And his head, this is the head of John the Baptist, his head, um, he had sent and had John beheaded in prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. Through Jesus' cousin, the, the, the one who baptized him, had been beheaded by the government, by Herod the Tetrarch. And you know, as horrible as that is, as horrible as Jesus' cousin just being murdered is, and Jesus knowing the, the grief of death in this moment, Jesus is also perfectly well aware in this moment that this is a foreshadowing of his own fate. This same government and these same people are coming after him this very moment. And what John saw, Jesus is about to know. And so as Matthew unfolds this story, Jesus knows what those darkest days feel like. He's been rejected by his hometown. He's seen his cousin killed, knowing that he's going to be next. And he just wants to pray. So you, you see how G- Jesus faces this and how Jesus is going to respond to one of those kinds of days. He says, I'm just going to go away and I'm going to pray by myself. I need to get away. I'm going to go up on a mountain. I'm going to seclude myself on a mountain and I'm going to fall down and I'm just going to say, Lord, come. He's going to look up to heaven and say, God, what is happening around me? And, and so he, he goes and this is what he wants to do. He, this is what Jesus found in those days was prayer in the presence of heaven. Jesus doesn't go back to bed on one of those days. He goes to his favorite prayer spot and lays his heart before God. And look at what happens next. Let's read verse 13. So this is Matthew 14, 13. So Jesus heard about John. He heard about his, his, the beheading. He withdrew from there. And this is Jesus going in a boat to a secluded place. He's going to go up on a mountain and pray by himself. But then when the people heard of this, they followed him. They followed him on foot from all the cities, everywhere he had been. They just began circling in around thousands of people. He's just going to go by himself somewhere to pray, and he can't get away from the thousands of people that are following him. He couldn't get away from these people. They wouldn't let him. And, And, you know, we need to pause here for a minute. Because in my flesh, I know how I would have reacted in this moment. In that moment, I would be so cantankerous, I would run through those people to hide myself in the mountains until they went away. Because that would have been my first inclination is, you people don't know what I'm dealing with. You don't know the weight of what I've just been through today. Just let me be for a minute. Let me rest. Let me pray for an hour. Give me some time so that I may find my center, that I may seek heaven and know the Lord. Give me a moment just to find a little bit of peace in this disastrous day. Then I would have pushed through them and I would have left them behind and hidden as fast as I possibly could have. This day couldn't get any worse for Jesus. They weren't going to let him be. As we, we work down through this, I mean, we see the crowd, but, but even the crowd's not the worst of it. But, but let's look. So let's continue in Matthew 14, 14. So Jesus went ashore. He saw this crowd, and he felt compassion for them, and he healed their sick. 
Jesus continues on with compassion, continues on in the holiest ways. This, this, is, this, is, this is a spirit of God moving. The, the flesh of, of Chris wouldn't have been able to do this, but the spirit of the Lord is, is mighty and reaches out, has compassion on these people, and heals them and provides for them exactly as they need to be provided for that day. Jesus is going to, to love these people. That's how Jesus is going to react. He's going to love these people in the midst of it all, in the midst of the most painful day. He is going to love you deeply. In the midst of all the chaos, Jesus is going to focus in on you and, and wrap you up in his arms and love you in his spirit. See, when we think about our Savior, we, we not only need to recognize his ability to relate to the pain and suffering that we know in the most difficult days. But we need to recognize that this love and compassion of God is a deep well flowing from heaven over the earth to comfort us through all of it. God's mercies are redeeming your circumstances this morning. This is who God is. The, the promises of God flowing from heaven provide for you that which you cannot provide for yourself in the worst of days. When your circumstances need the compassion of God. He comes and the Christ covers your circumstances with his compassion. That's the way it was and that's the way it is. That's the work of the Lord. And then Jesus' day got worse. This story continues. Jesus tells his disciples to feed the crowd, thousands of people. And those closest to him fail. This isn't the crowd. This isn't old friends from Nazareth. This isn't Herod. See, this isn't some neighbor. These are men he's been pouring his life into. These are the men that he has been working with day in and day out. They have seen the Savior face to face. He's been walking hand in hand with them. And he says, come and help me. You, you feed them. And they couldn't do it. They fall flat on their face. They fail miserably. When Jesus tells them to, to feed the crowd, Luke and John give us some, some other details. They, they begin to, to, to wonder, how, how are we going to do this? So we, get, we can go into town. Maybe we can, maybe we can buy some food. That, that's the solution. We're, let's go into town. There's not enough food in town. And not only is there not enough food in town, they don't have any money. They, they don't have the money to buy all the food that they need that day. And that's their response to Jesus. There's not enough food around. We can't go into town. We don't have enough money. We don't know what we're going to do. This was a test, and they failed. See, the way they responded to Jesus is, we would, but. We, we would do this for you. We know that you're, you're calling us to do this. We see this. We've been walking with you for days. But, but this that you're asking is impossible. Th this thing is not going to happen today. That's how they respond to Jesus. They fall flat on their face in failure. Lacking of faith. Christ was calling them to have. So what, how would you process this? Where, where would you go on a day like this? When, when we're faced with death, when, you, when you're faced with failure, when the world around you is crumbling, where, where do you go? Where, where do you turn? Who do, who do you turn to on a day like that? Because in this place, because of stories like this and the power of the Spirit that we have seen, we go to Jesus Christ See, when we're faced with days like that, we know the Christ has seen and heard. We know that he has walked through those days. He has faced those kinds of days, and he has redeemed them from day one. Jesus Christ has met the pain of this world, and he has made it right. I mean, you see, you see what Jesus does in this scene? He begins to teach his disciples. He begins to teach that whole crowd there what the work of God looks like what faith might be able to do. John tells us it's, it's one little boy's meal. So he takes a meal from one little boy, five loaves and two fish, and he feeds more than 5,000 people. Maybe double that, maybe triple that, whatever the number is. J Jesus took the most meager means and miraculously multiplied them. That's the work of the Lord. In verse 17, you, you see down here, Jesus' disciples, they certainly let him down with their remark. You see, this sentiment, we would, but. You see how they respond? They say, well, we only have this. We've only got one little boy's lunch. What, what are we going to do with one little boy's lunch? 
You see, this is, this is often how we come to the Lord, well, we only have X. God, I know what you're asking me to do, but, but I, I can't speak well. I, I'm, not, I'm not that gifted. God, I know what you're asking me to do, but I can't do that. I'm not trained well enough to do that. God, I know what you're asking us to do, but we don't have enough to do that kind of thing. You need to call on somebody else that has more than we do to take care of that certain situation. We love this line that the disciples give to Jesus, oh Lord, we only have so much. You know why we, we love that line, oh Lord, we, we, we only have this. It's because we don't want to do it. It's the perfect excuse. You see, it doesn't have to be that way. If, if we would move away from that line being an excuse, we might see the miraculous work of God. You see, for many of us, when we say, well, we only have whatever, it's the perfect excuse for us not to do anything. I don't have enough is a perfectly legitimate human explanation. But it's never an excuse before God. I said, it doesn't matter how much you have. See, in fact, when we're in the spirit, we say, we only have, that, that line becomes a line of faith. In the spirit, when we say, we only have, that is an opportunity for the spirit of God to get credit instead of us. You see, if we begin to, to do things on our own that, that we have the, the means to do, it's easy for us to take credit. When God calls us to do things we're not capable of, we point to heaven and say, God is the one who did this thing. See, th when we say we only have, that, that should excite you. That should be a moment of an enrichment in the church and excitement to say, what is God going to do next? What is God going to do in this moment? This is going to be a time and place when the power of God is on display for the entire world. See, it doesn't matter what you have. It matters who you trust. Who you trust is where your strength and your resources come from, not what you have. In spiritual realities, less is better. The less you have, the more glory God is going to get. The less you have, the, the greater the miracle of God on this earth. And that's what he does. He takes, God takes the most meager means of an obedient child and turns the world upside down. You know, in our text for today, Jesus takes these five loaves and two fish from, from this little boy and he holds them for, before heaven. And don't miss that. This, Jesus is praying and he, he lifts them up and he blesses it before heaven. And, he, and he's making a, a picture here. It's a, it's a, it's a reference. It's a, it's a learning moment for us that, that the blessing and the abundance comes out of heaven through the Christ to his people. And this, this is what Jesus does. He, these resources from heaven come down and they rain down from heaven on the children of God. She takes the obedience of the few to do mighty things in his kingdom. God will take whatever we have, whatever meager means we have, whatever little bit of faith we have, whatever little bit of resources we have left, God will take that meager means and do something good. You know, we, we often think we have to get the most out of what we have. That's what, that's what we talk about, you know, things that we have. Let me get the most out of what I've got and, and what, I, what I have in my hands. I'm going to get the most, whatever I can squeeze out of this. But that just isn't right. You can never make the most out of your situation. Whether you're having one of those terrible days or whether you're having the best day you've ever had in your life, you can never squeeze the most out of the situation. But God does it every single day. God is the one who breathes life into our day and squeezes every ounce out of it so that we might have great ability and hope and see the miracles of God happen day in and day out in this life. God's going to take the, the obedience and the resources we have and change the world. And so the question before us this morning is, what might Jesus multiply today? Because he did it 2,000 years ago, what might he multiply this morning? I know that he, he can multiply, and I know that he multiplies that which we set before his throne for his kingdom. He still multiplies all of that that is set aside for him and for his purposes and his ways. What might Jesus multiply this morning in this place you know, the, the, the direct application we see here is the, the multiplication of resources. 
for his purposes. Just like this little boy's lunch, he takes this little boy's lunch and turns it into a mighty work for thousands of people. May God multiply our resources. But just in the same way, God may multiply our energy that we'd set our heart and our energy and our schedule and our lives before God and he gives us the energy that we need and may we be like Paul running all over the region preaching the word of God with a vigor that can only come from heaven. May God multiply our energy this morning in this place. May God multiply our wisdom. We see throughout scripture God is the one who multiplies the wisdom of men like Solomon when they trust him and say, God, give me that which I need to know. Lord, guard my heart and my mind, and we, when we set our mind before the Christ, he multiplies that for the sake of his kingdom. God might multiply your responsibility this morning. You know, we, we, we see these pictures from Scripture of men like Joseph, who went from a pit to practically governing Egypt. May God multiply our responsibilities for the sake of his kingdom. Peter went from being a fisherman to preaching at Pentecost. May God multiply our responsibilities in that kind of way this morning. If we would, if we would lay them before the Christ, our resources, our mind, our energy, our schedules, our, our wisdom, our responsibilities laid at the feet of Christ this morning, there's no telling what God might do. God is going to work miracles in the multiplication of that which we lay before him this morning. What might God multiply? What might we lay before our Christ? Because God can do mighty things through our meager means for his kingdom this morning. And we know this for certain, that whatever we lay before him He's going to multiply in ways we've never dreamed of. With this story in front of us, with the witness of Scripture in our hearts, may each one of us lay our lives at the feet of Christ this morning. This is no, there's, there's nothing greater that we can bring and sit before the Christ than our own hearts in this place. And may Christ multiply it into a holy people, a holy of people doing a mighty work for the kingdom of God and the heart of San Antonio. Let's pray together. Lord, we, we are grateful for this time. We are a people who don't have much. In fact, this, this place is full of, of broken people of meager means. But what we have, Lord, we, we come before you with. We kneel before your throne and say, take me. Give me your ways and your thoughts. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. We're going to have our time of response now. And you, you can obediently respond to the Lord, or you can disobediently not respond to the Lord this morning. So let me give you some, some ways that may be appropriate for you to respond. One of those, there, there's, a, there's a few listed on the bottom of your listening sheet. Maybe you need to respond to God in one of those, those ways this morning. And if so... Uh, Take the time to do that. The altar is open. Come forward and kneel and pray with us. Uh, Brian's up here. I'll be up here. If you want to talk with us about accepting Christ or being a part of this church, this is the time to do that. Come visit with us. And we're going to sing. We're going to give. So as you do, do so cheerfully. Now, if you need to remain seated, please do uh, as you respond. And the rest of us, uh, let us stand as we respond to the Lord.
We continue to worship now, but we do so now through our giving. You may be seated. Amen. I've, I have several Life Together things for you this morning, so uh, take out your bulletins, take out your calendars, take out your pens. We've got a lot that you need to know about. So one of those is tonight. Tonight at 6 p.m., we are having our deacon ordination service, so we invite you to come. Please be a part of that and lay hands over these that are being set aside anew for service in this church. So hope you'll come and be a part of that. And let me look forward into February with you because there's several things happening in February we need to be aware of. One of those, we, we have a new fostering and adoption ministry in our church. We, we started last year. And one of the things that we're doing for that foster ministry is a Fostering Hope concert. It's going to happen February, Friday night, February 7th, over at 4th Street Crossing at 7 p.m. So we hope you'll come and support that foster and adoption care ministry. It's a good thing to be a part of um, in this community um, and for the children of this community. Then on Sunday, February 9th, our next area fellowships are happening. So we hope you come and be a part of an area fellowship. However, I've got, a, I've got another thing on February 9th you need to put a, a pin in. This is new. You probably do not know this yet. Uh, one of the things that we've been working on for several months is a more um, robust new member process that includes some time with your pastors. And so we are rolling out a, a pilot program that's going to happen Sunday, February 9th. 
And so let me invite you, if, if you have not yet officially joined our church, this would be a good time to jump in this pilot program and come hear from us. It's going to be a day together. It's a Sunday. You come, get a tour. You, you get, um, we have a class where it talks about the history of church and who we are and those kinds of things. We have lunch together, and then you're going to get time with myself, uh, Danny Panter, and Scott Lane, and we're going to talk about vision and hope and where our, where our church is headed. Um, it's going to be time for you to ask questions with us. So if you have not yet officially joined our church, um, let me point you to February 9th. Um, and please let us know. We, we need you to RSVP for that. Um, it's going to be a good time in the life of this church. So please be aware of that. Something else that's new, we talked about last week on February 12th, it's a Wednesday, we're bringing back the Business Bible Lunch. We want to be here for our neighbors in the community. It's another way we're going to try to minister into downtown San Antonio is bringing back an hour together once a month where we have lunch and we pray together. Um, we're going to have scripture, we're going to have a speaker, and it's going to be um, a good time. So we'll hope you'll come be a part of that new Business Bible Lunch Wednesday, February 12th. Put that on your calendars. And we have a bunch of babies. So last week, if you remember, there was an infamous moment with Brian Richardson that we shall not speak of again. <laughs> Brian, this is the correct picture, the correct baby. Um, Riley Blair Salter is born to Alexa and Brian on December 27th. So we're grateful for that new baby. We also have uh, Lamont and Heidi had their new baby Zion on January 4th. So we, we praise the Lord for Zion. And then one more, uh, Terry and Denise at Cameron Alexander on January 8th. Um, it's a good thing um, seeing these new innocent little lives coming into this world. And, and we're grateful that they are a part of our church and we're walking in faith together. Um, and we're going to walk with those families and raising up those little babies. And lastly, for me, you see the altar flowers, beautiful today. They're given to the glory of God. And in celebration of a 63rd wedding anniversary for Melissa and Jimmy Thurmond. And so we're grateful for them. We're great when you, when you see Jimmy, that's right. When you see Jimmy, hug him, tell him you love him, because we certainly do love the Thurmans. So, Aaron, hand it over to you. We are dismissed now to go do the good work that God has called us to do. Let's stand together and sing, Be Thou My Vision. bless you.
Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.